1: the Locked On Yankees podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Stacy Gotsoulias. I'm a writer at Baseball Prospectus and the host of the Locked On Yankees podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Stace Scots or at the Locked On Yankees handle. Feel free to tweet questions or comments to either one of those accounts. I'd like to thank all of the returning listeners and to all the first timers, I'm glad you're here. On today's episode, It's a mailbag episode. It's the first one that I'm doing, so I'm pretty excited about this. And I have a guest who hasn't been on the podcast in a while, but I'm glad to have him back. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Before we get into all that, remember, you can get Locked On Yankees and all other Locked On podcasts straight to your phone by subscribing on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya. You can also subscribe in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Locked On Yankees in your car by telling your smart device to play podcast Locked On Yankees. And as promised, I'm here with Matt and Bronio from River Avenue Blues. Matt, how are you tonight?
0: I'm well, Stacey. How are you?
1: I'm good. I mean, I'd be better if the Yankees weren't swept in Houston, but I'm good otherwise.
0: Yeah, it's really annoying when three winnable games turn into losses for just the stupidest reasons possible.
1: That's the frustrating thing about it. If they got blown out every game, I'd be like, okay, whatever. But the fact that, especially the first two games, just... I just... Oh, my God. And then, you know, last night was just really annoying and frustrating. And, you know, they did their usual, let's come back, but not enough to win the game. Right. And And, uh,
0: James Paxton decided to go full on Phil Hughes with throwing (laughs) a 100 pitches and not getting anybody out, just going to a full count every single time.
1: uh, And I joked on today's podcast I'm re-recording this Thursday night. Uh, I joked that Zach Britton needs to change the spelling back to H because he keeps giving up hits and he's not getting anyone out.
0: <laughs> there's an there's another H and a K joke to be made. He 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 had the K, but now he's giving up the H.
1: Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, unbelievable. But, you know, considering they have about 500 guys on the injury list, the fact that they're uh, you know, not three and 10 or something crazy like that is a good, <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Things could definitely be worse. Um, they obviously be better, but um, the hole could be a lot larger right now, considering how many important players are out. Um, they're definitely missing Batanzas a lot right now. And, and the, you know, the biggest evidence for that is Jonathan Holder and Chad Green, not doing what we're used to them doing, at least from the last few years. And that's probably why things look a little strange, um, and obviously Severino and Hicks are huge parts, and Didi's a huge part. But Torres has been been a nice fill-in, and DJ LeMayhew has been better than I thought he would be. Uh, I'm looking to be kind of pretty pretty wrong on that um, so far. But uh, missing Severino and Batansis uh, is is huge.
1: Yes, I had mentioned the first two games, well, at least the first game. You know, if Batansis is in the bullpen and it's a healthy Betances, things would be a lot different this series. So yeah. it's just upsetting. That you know, we came into the season with such high hopes, and then Hicks gets hurt, and Severino gets hurt, and then Severino gets even more hurt, and it's just like, seriously, and Batansis, yeah. and this and that. It's like, oh my god, because that's yeah. exactly the thing that I said <laughs> right before the actual season started. I said, okay, they have all these guys out, but as long as it's just them and no one else gets hurt. And then they all return when they're supposed to. Things will be fine. Then Stanton yep. goes down. And this, it's yep. like. <laughs> oh, wait. Um,
0: Jose Altuve just hit another home run against the Yankees. Um, somehow he managed to do it. So.
1: <laughs> I mean, that guy, you know, they, they, I think they have him listed at 5'7", but he's probably 5'5 five, five on a good day. <laughs> and I don't understand how he's able to not only hit the ball, but hit it hard.
0: Yeah, he's 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 just he's a he's a he's a freak in like the opposite way of Aaron Judge. And it's uh it's it's kind of a test like the two of them is like a testament to baseball like you can be so differently sized and approach things in such a different way but still be incredibly successful.
1: Mhm. It's amazing. So speaking of Houston in a way, mm-hmm. our first question is will the Yankees be worried enough to go after Keichel providing he's willing to let go of his beard slash or the Yankees willing to join the 21st century
0: (laughs) um I I my gut says says no um I think that regardless of these injuries the Yankees are really confident in their roster uh for better or for worse uh and I think they're gonna take um Severino getting back when he gets back and Montgomery eventually getting back when he gets back and Batances getting back when he gets back as their sort of acquisitions. Uh, I don't think they want to take the plunge for Keichel, even if it's a, a, a shorter-term deal. Um, it'd be nice, I suppose. Um, I, I wouldn't di- I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't dislike it. Um, but as Mike Axisa has laid out a few times, there are some pretty worrying signs in terms of his walk rates and his strikeout rates and his ground ball rates uh, and his chase rates that that are kind of alarming. And uh, I think if the Yankees weren't interested in the winter, I don't think they're going to panic now, uh, even in early spring, with uh, with their best pitchers out.
1: You know, and even if they were, I, I think Dallas Keigel would be like, I will shave every part of my body to be a Yankee. He'd be silly not to.
0: <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, at this point. I mean, I, I even... I was never huge on him, you know, aside from that that year, you know, he was he was incredible. He's been a solid pitcher. Um, but I never thought it'd be April eleventh and Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell for that matter would uh would not be on a team. Uh that's I, I never would have imagined that.
1: This offseason was so strange with Harper and Machado signing so late. And like you said, Kimbrell and Keigel both being unsigned. And even the number of guys who, like G- Gio Gonzalez, who mm-hmm. only got a minor league deal from the Yankees. Like, yep. think think about that. I mean, not that he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, but the fact that no one else was offering him anything, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. And all the weird coincidences, I'm using scare quotes that you can't see, uh, mm-hmm. of guys getting these minor league offers around the same time. Uh, what? Just a weird, weird, weird offseason.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, there's definitely no collusion. Everything is perfectly no. A-OK.
0: Pay no attention to the scheming <laughs> behind the curtain. Um, <laughs> but regardless of that, yeah, I, I don't think the Yankees will, will hit the hit the button on Keichel. Um, unless, maybe if, if Tanaka or Paxton happens to go down in the next few weeks, I'm knocking on my dining room table.
1: <laughs> I was um, just going to do it too. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> I, I don't think they'll, they'll take that plunge. I think they would sooner call up Geo. Um, then then, then make the big splash for Keikel.
1: That was gonna be my next question. Do you think that could happen? Because I think he does have a deadline, right?
0: Yeah, I think so. I don't know what the exact date is. Um, I want to say it's sometime in May. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but he, I think they would they would go with that. And it, it would just be, I think, a cost thing. Um, and it's probably, you know, it, it is less disruptive and it's more immediate because uh, even if you you sign Keikel today, He's still going to need at least what a week or two in the minors to to actually face real hitters and not sure. not um, you know a batting screen or whatever he's doing in a simulated game. Um, I think they'd probably just go with Gio out of out of convenience and and cost.
1: Right, and let's see. Our next question: Will Severino pace himself more from this point onward?
0: <sighs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> I. I I guess so Uh, maybe out of self-preservation or maybe he learns how to take a page out of the Verlander book and holds things back in the early innings and then lets it loose in later innings. But uh, I don't know. I I think he, he might, but I also think there's the, you know, I'm coming in mid season. I need to let, you know, I need to ride in on a white horse, so to speak and, uh, and, and dominate like I'm like, I like he normally can. Um, So maybe he'd ramp it up. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't obviously know the guy personally, um, but he seems like a pretty competitive dude. And uh, I think he'd probably try to go full tilt. Maybe the Yankees won't let him go full tilt and they'll maybe keep him on a stricter pitch count or some sort of innings uh, limit for now. But I don't know if any pitcher is really... Aside from the that Verlander type of holding back from game inning to inning, I don't know if any pitcher is really inclined to to hold back.
1: The thing that I don't think it worries me. It's just mm-hmm. the fact that he's going to be sitting out for so long, and then it's going to take him a while to get into everything. That you know, Jack Curry said yesterday. I think that mm-hmm. you know it could be July by the time Severino right. comes back, and who knows how things are going to look for the Yankees then? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't see them in a position where they're going to be like the Orioles and like 20 games out. Um, But like you said, like, you know, I, I don't want to see him um, come in and think he has to rescue the team and overwork himself. And God forbid something else happens. I mean it would be great if he was like a Verlander where he does kind of hold things back and then throw ninety nine in the sixth inning, but he's done right. that before.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, he yeah, he's done that even you know, even, even pitching normally. He can hit 90, 98 and ninety nine in the you know, in the in the later innings. And I do worry it's funny we worry about the, the going too hard, but then I also think back to Chen Ming Wong and trying to compensate for something, um, when you're recovering from something else and then everything gets out of whack. Right. And I mean, I still feel terrible for 2009 Chin-Ming Wong. Uh, you know, he just, he, nothing worked. He got hurt over and over again. So I would worry about that if he decides to hold back. So I guess in the course of the last, like, two minutes of this conversation, I think, no, I don't think he's going to hold anything back, <laughs> excuse me, uh, because I think that might lead to other issues.
1: Right. Now, our third question, is Boone in trouble if the Yankees don't win at all this year?
0: Uh, No, I don't think so. Um, If Brian Cashman in 2004 didn't fire Joe Torrey after (laughs) that, um, I don't think he'd fire Aaron Boone after this, especially given this start with the injuries. Um, I think it would take something pretty cataclysmic for him him and Hal to want to fire Boone. Um, I don't see that happening unless there is just some brutal, brutal in-game stuff that cannot be explained.
1: I agree. Um, I, I agree. I I agree. And I I agree with the Tory thing. I mean, if mm-hmm. he wasn't fired after that debacle, then right, it would take. I mean, Boone would have to probably murder someone in order. Yeah. <laughs> in yes. order to be fired. Yeah. <laughs> at this yeah, point, definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think it, it would take either some some really intensely personal thing that we would never see the light of. Um, you know, some some like clubhouse division type thing, or he would have to just. You know, bat Michael Tuckman first for like two weeks in a row or something like that, and and throw uh, Luis Sessa as the as the closer or fireman or something um, before he before he gets fired.
1: Remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Locked On Yankees on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Yankees. Guys, let's talk about sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? You would stride to the plate and hit a first pitch home run every time? Well, now you can return to your glory days. You can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Just think of it as a PED that won't get you suspended. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. I wouldn't recommend taking them on the subway because they're chewable and they work up to twice as fast as a pill, but if you want your lady to take a long ride on the D-train, Blue Chew is for you. This isn't just for guys who can't perform, it's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. What's more, Blue Chew is cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code MLB. You just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's blue promo code MLB to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And welcome back. We have a few more questions to go through, which, by the way, thank you to the people who submitted these questions. We appreciate it.
0: Yes, thank you very much.
1: (laughs) Now, these two questions are from my friend Sully Baseball. He hosts Locked on MLB. He's also a big Red Sox fan who admittedly hates the Yankees, but loves my podcast. So thank you, For listening, Sully. Thank you for loving my podcast, even though you hate the team that I love.
0: (laughs) It's a good compromise. Good compromise.
1: Yeah. So let's see. Question number one from Sully: Besides Mattingly and Moose, or you know anyone else, what Yankee who did not get a ring do you wish got one? And can Jose Canseco give his 2000 ring to them?
0: (laughs) Oh, that'd be nice. Um, My first thought. I think you're going to like this, and I'm. If I know you, I think you're going to agree. Um it's Jason Giambi. Yeah, like, hands down. <laughs> hands down Jason Giambi. Mm-hmm. Um I I hate how he gets vilified as a Yankee, like he was he was really good. Dude had a 400 on-base percentage for the Yankees, hit tons and tons of home runs. Um yeah, it would definitely definitely be um be him. Be uh be Jason Giambi. Like hands down, didn't even need to think about it.
1: <laughs> and that would be my answer. You know me so well. I mean, I just I adored Jason Giambi. I was so bummed that he didn't get to win anything, uh, through no fault of his own. Although I do sort of, kind of, sort of blame—not blame, blame him—but if the Yankees had a healthy Jason Giambi in 2004, I think the ALCS would have been a little different. Oh,
0: definitely. Yeah. No, they win that. They they most likely win that with uh, with with Giambi instead of Tony Clark. Even though Tony Clark had you know the the the, the big double, but <laughs> um, yeah um I've kind of come to terms with 2004 like every time I look at the baseball reference page for the 2004 Yankees and see that pitching staff I'm like all right they had no business even being in the ALCS
1: right the <laughs> staff.
0: so I've just I've come to terms with it and the ones that the ones that bug me more are the 2010 ALCS Ugh. the 2011 ALDS and the 2012 ALCS which, they like they, they just make me rage inside with with this just just, i i they still haunt me well i I think those are the series that like broke yankees twitter and made everyone crazy for the last like five years
1: well i was talking about 2012 um i had chris brown from locked on tigers on before the tiger series we did previews on Mm -hmm. each other's shows and he had mentioned the 2012 alcs and i said Mm -hmm. as soon as derek jeter broke his ankle. And was carried off the field. You knew the Yankees were done.
0: Yep. Oh, yeah, no, it was over. Over. That over it, that, that
1: minute. The stadium turned into a funeral parlor because no one had ever, I and I said this, no one had ever seen Jeter have to be carried off a field like that. He dove into the stands and nearly broke his face, and he didn't need to be carried right. off. Right. I mean, he needed to be walked, but, you know, he was... Okay, where yeah. seeing him collapse like that and then have to be carried off, it was just you knew in that moment they're not winning the series. There's no way.
0: Yep. No, that was that was that was bad. That yep. was that was really awful.
1: And my and it's own, just
0: like I'm haunted by Ramon Santiago. Oh. Like, just decided to own the Yankees for for a playoff series.
1: <sighs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's nothing. There's really nothing more to say, and I think we should just move on from from to the 2012 ALCS before I break something in my.
1: <laughs> okay. Now, the second question: What is the first image you have of the historically neglected 1999 World Series? Now, I I had mentioned how 1999 is neglected in. The grand scheme of things, when you think of the '90s championships, '96 was the first one in 18 years. '98, they were the best team in baseball. 2000, they played against the Mets. The Subway Series was a big deal. 1999, people kind of forget about it. Some people even forget who they played. It was the Braves, by the way.
0: <laughs> right, and and even in the context of of like looking forward into 2001, it gets swept up in that too because of all the true the, that entire you know, the, the weight of that world series and the unfortunate ending that I did not realize until the morning after I fell asleep in my bed and had the radio on and woke up in the middle of the night to John Sterling's recap Ugh. and heard him say something about Soriano hitting a home run. And I turned it off with a big smile on my face. And the next morning was not fun at all.
1: I was in a hotel room in Wilmington, North Carolina and turned it off as soon as the Diamondbacks tied it because mm-hmm. I'm like they're losing this and I can't watch this. My right. emotions were all over the place after everything that <laughs> happened that fall about 10 minutes later I flipped it back over and you know it was like the sad hallway interview with <laughs> Joe Tory <laughs> and I turned it back off and I I'm not exaggerating. I cried for three hours. And it wasn't. Oh, I don't blame you. Beca- don't blame you. It wasn't because they lost. I mean, it was because they lost, but it was just because of everything that happened that year. And yeah. it felt like they were destined to win that World Series. Yep. And when Soriano yep. hit the home run, we're like, oh my God, they're winning four in a row. Oh my God, yep. oh my God, this is happening. And then to have it get taken away in the way that it got taken away with what happened to Mo, it, yep. it was just. Uh, I still, I didn't see the last out of that world series or the last out, the last run of that world series until nine innings from ground zero and mm. not at the screening, not when I first saw it on mm. HBO, it was a couple of years later. So I didn't <laughs> see uh, Luis Gonzalez's hit because I used to cover my, I would put my hand oh, in yeah. front of the screen so I wouldn't see anything until
0: if, uh, if i see it on tv or on a like on a clip like a like a highlight clip i i close it i change the channel i look away i can't do it yeah. i still can't do it yeah
1: i didn't see it until maybe 2007 <laughs>
0: yeah. and actually um i in late january i did a pd um at the 911 museum and they have a really cool uh exhibit um in the it, it's like the 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 I guess like the not the traveling exhibit but like the the current one that rotates mm-hmm. um, all about sports after 9/11 and uh, they obviously have a lot of Yankees Diamondback stuff in there and uh, it's obviously very somber and, and it's an incredible place and, and it was very emotional to be there um, but there was like I got a little smile on my face because they had an old Freddie says uh, sign there mm. uh, so it was nice to, it was nice to see that but yeah if you get a chance, um, obviously, we're all sports fans listening to this, and most of you are from the metro area. Um, definitely go go check it out. Uh, it, it's it's worth the it's it's worth the the look.
1: So back to '99. Back to '99. Um,
0: all right, your um, my age is showing here. Um, I was 12 years old when um, the 1999 World Series happened. I can quite honestly say I do not remember much from it if anything i just think i know that chad curtis caught the final out like 20 or so feet in from the warning track in left field Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much it i think i remember paul o'neill jumping on a pile too because he tended to do that sort of thing
1: i okay (laughs) i was 25 thank you 1999 (laughs) was my first year with season tickets i had my sunday plan Mm -hmm. and I had tickets to huh, game game 4 of the division series mm-hmm. game 6 of the ALCS And game Mm -hmm. five of the World Series didn't go to any playoff games because (laughs) they swept the division series. They won the ALCS in five and they swept the World Series. So I may have been the only person rooting for Roger Clemens to screw up in game four because I wanted to go to a World Series winning game. Yes,
0: that's too funny. So I
1: hated Roger Clemens for like months after that. I was like, "This son of a <laughs> bitch doesn't pitch well the whole year." Well, not that he was horrible, but he wasn't Roger Clemens.
0: yeah, yeah,
1: and and I'm like, and then he decides to pitch well to, well enough tonight to win that jackass. I was so mad. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So those are my images. Also, wait, let me. Oh, I was working at NBC at the time, and NBC carried uh, the playoffs, mm-hmm. and. The first game in Atlanta, I think it was the first game in Atlanta, they did like the all-century team. Mm. And, oh, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, Okay. So Jim Gray was interviewing Pete Rose, and he just really went in on Pete Rose. And Pete Rose didn't mm. want to answer any questions about the gambling stuff and this and that. <laughs> we come into work. Now, I can't remember if that game was over a weekend, and we came in on a Monday, or if we came in the next day, whatever it was. Everyone's voicemail lights were on, and we're like, what is going on? We all had our voicemails filled with angry people who were just calling random NBC numbers to yell at Jim Gray.
0: Oh my God.
1: <laughs> it was the most. Me- I had eight messages from people complaining about Jim Gray disrespecting Pete Rose and this and that. And, wow. you know, if you tried to transfer any messages to his mailbox, of course it was full.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> so that's one of my big memories of it. And then. I don't know if you remember this because you were twelve.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But after Chad Curtis hit his walk off home run, Jim Gray goes to interview him and he said something like, you know, I don't want to talk to you because of what you did to Pete Rose, and he walked off. Oh my God. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> People get nuts about Pete Rose. They really do. And it, they they like there's a certain type of fan that really holds on to, to Pete Rose. Then they'll froth at the mouth about steroids, but the gambling thing was okay. Right.
1: Of course, and you know, and then we all know Chad Curtis is a disgusting uh, pile of human trash who's in jail yeah. for horrible, horrible crimes. And you yes. know, the the fact that, like you said, he caught the last out of the World Series, he hit the walk off in Game Three. So yep. two of the images from that World Series are, uh, yeah. pun intended, sullied. <laughs> because of what he's done now so yeah that's no good no it's not any good so anyway um i would like to thank you for joining me on the podcast
0: Oh, anytime, Stacy. You know I love coming on with you. Oh,
1: yes. Anytime you want to, let me know because um you know, I plan on having a bunch of you River Avenue Blues dudes on the podcast.
0: Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah,
1: now you know, now that you guys are going away, it's going to be so strange for uh It's
0: it's really weird. It it's um you know, I think a, a lot of us who are very extremely online about the Yankees can trace a lot of that back to River Avenue Blues. Mm-hmm. Um I've said this online, I've said in articles, and I'll say it again, you know, around when we sign off, I can draw a straight line from commenting on River Avenue Blues to joining Twitter to meeting my wife to having my son. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's not an understatement to say that River Avenue Blues might literally be the most important website in my life um, uh, because of what joining it uh, uh, led me to be able to do uh, with, with my real life. Um, it, it is going to be really weird to, to not have it around, but I'm just really glad uh, and frankly, honored and humbled that I was able to be a part of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's really a big part of Yankee fandom the last decade. And it's just, yep. it's, it's going to be really strange not having it around. Um, I know that they're going to keep the Twitter account up and that things will be posted. Yep. But for the blog not to have anything new on it, that's going to be very strange.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> so thank you once again.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So that's it for today's episode of Locked on Yankees, which is brought to you by the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd like to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the show on the new Himalaya podcast app, as well as in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. And when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Yankees. If you could be so kind, please rate the podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. We would really appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. Hopefully we will have a successful CC Sabathia start and a successful weekend against the White Sox. Talk to you all on Monday. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.